I, I guess you're just going to cheap out and make us recite parts of Shona Lang's Glad I'm Not a Kennedy? Well, it is a rule without a remedy to watch your family die. The world loves a sacrifice. Oh, I'm glad I'm not responsible for writing this intro. Spoken like Kennedy, living on through politics, bodyguarded, heart and bits, a blue-eyed honesty, indigo injury. Yeah, indigo, though? I'm assuming that's a reference to the blood spurting from his magic bullet wounds, but blood is red, right? Ah, but you see, when she sings Prophet's Longing for the Three... Honouring the tragedy, they hunger for the crime, the privilege to take a life. I'm fairly sure that A, she's referring to the Catholic Church. And Trinitarians. And B, hinting at royal bloodlines. A, bloodlines. Do you mean? Yes. Uh, so actually, what do you mean? Lizards, Josh. Lizards. And Lee Harvey Oswald. The Lizard Liberator. And Jack Ruby. A Lizard Lover. And this means what exactly? I have no idea, but I do know that I love the look in your eyes. I can see your soul sometimes and we laugh. When we try too hard, we stop and start. Oh, imagine being a Kennedy. I'm glad I'm not a Kennedy. Ashes in my mouth. The podcast's Guide to the Conspiracy, featuring Josh Addison and M. Dentis. Hello and welcome to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. In Auckland, New Zealand, I am Josh Addison and not sitting directly next to me. This, In this particular instance uh, is Dr. M. Rx Dentith. We're doing the remote thing again, but that's okay. Now, Josh, why are we doing the remote thing? We're doing the remote thing because, because I have you, external you, commitments. You, you made a tragic choice. I made the choice a to long have, time ago. I did. Made I you, made, yeah, made the choice to have children. It's coming children home to reap. It's coming home to reap. Schools have parent-teacher evenings, and I'm required to. Surely, attend. surely, with your partner being a teacher, you can just shortcut the whole parent-teacher thing by just doing it at home. Well, yeah. The, as it happens, my partner, being a teacher, also had her school's parent-teacher things this evening, so I was off doing that. So this sounds no dreadfully in, in, inefficient. Dreadfully mm. inefficient. Well, there's nothing we can do about it now. I'm here. You're there. There's nothing else we can say. Let's make some magic. Mm. Uh, well, for, for for a given value of magic, I suppose we're going we're going back in time again. Time travel. That's like magic. Sort of. Uh, well, I mean, it depends on the kind of genre that you're working with. Mm. Sometimes it's magical. Sometimes it's just science. Sometimes it's soft science. Sometimes it's hard science. It's hard to know. Mm. But the point is, we're going back to the conspiracy, uh, and, and, and we have a time for that. We do. I'm going to put it in somewhere around about... Wait for it. Buckle up. We're going back to the conspiracy. Well worth the wait, I'm sure you'll agree. So, last time we did a back to the conspiracy, it was M's choice, and M chose the moon landings. And this week it was my choice, and I thought, well... Josh, Josh, the alleged moon landings. I thought, if we're we're going for the classics, then why not go for the other one? Why not do JFK again? Yeah, let's let's put the JFK. JFK again, JFK. 
JFK again. There's something there. Put the I'm sure there's something there. Yeah, know. yeah. We really should have workshopped this before the podcast, not during the podcast. No, people love to see how the sausage is made. <clears throat> well, they like to see how your sausage is made. Uh, let's 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 move on. Um, so, JFK, as as you'd probably imagine, is dead and still dead, dead, allegedly. Still dead. Unless, of course, you're watching a Bruce Campbell film. Mm. Ah, we must get into that. Actually, we already have, so it's okay. JFK, as you probably imagine, being a podcast that deals in conspiracy theories, the JFK assassination was one of the earlier things we talked about. Um, Episode 24, as it happens, November 2014 is when we first gave JFK the once-over. That was back when we were really into doing anniversary episodes, you know, do a 9-11 episode around about 9-11, do a JFK episode around about the death of JFK. Did we ever do a episode on 7-7? I actually don't think we don't did. I don't think we did, no. Not as much to say about that one, really. No, fewer conspiracy theories mm. compared to, say, mm. 9-11 or, in this episode's case, JFK. Yes, now at the time, now I should point out, so 2014... Um, was before a lot of stuff happened. Like in 2014, when we first started the podcast, you were still very much a, a niche academic. You didn't have. Sorry, you make it sound as if I'm not a niche academic well, now. Well, I mean, you, you, you've you've had a lot more attention since then. Oh, you've I, had I guess I guess what people. I've done, I've carved my niche out. My niche mm. used to be a grotto. Now it's more like a cathedral, but it's still a niche. It's just a cavernish niche, as opposed to a small niche. Mm. But 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 back then, conspiracy theories were a lot less talked about than they are now, and it was only really the big ones that got much attention. And JFK was about the biggest one there was for, for a long time. I think it would be fair to say the JFK assassination, like the, it was JFK and the moon landings, were the two big ones. And then nine eleven came along, and that 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 sort of took the top spot really. And then JFK and moon landings were after that. Um, but then but but. So at the time, we basically said, um, "What? in fact, we, I have our notes from last time, we said, after 9-11, JFK is probably the most written upon and analysed conspiracy theory of all time. And given that part of these Back to the Conspiracy Theory episodes is seeing whether or not things have changed in the interim, I, I think that's something that's going to turn out to have changed when we start to look at it. Yeah, I don't think there's been much advance in research into the death of JFK. Whilst there's been an awful lot of words written on 9-11 and continues to be written on 9-11, and there is possibly, I'd be interested to see whether this is true or not, there might even be more words on QAnon than there is mm. about 9-11 now. QAnon has been an absolute growth industry for a particular kind of person who's interested in unwarranted conspiracy theories. Every single journalist and their dog and their dog's journalist seems to have an opinion on QAnon and, as a consequence, has an opinion on the state of conspiracy theories in society. QAnon, and to an extent also the rise of Donald Trump in the US, so for Western political leanings, has really led to a massive growth 
in discussion of conspiracy theories, which is why my niche has grown. Because when we did our original JFK episode, when QAnon was not even a twinkle in anybody's Mm. eyes, conspiracy theories were the kind of thing that, you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing, maybe you might read about them. And now, as I say, everybody seems to have an opinion. And also, notably, everybody seems to have a really bad opinion on conspiracy theories, QAnon, etc., etc. I mean, I guess it's kind of impressive. QAnon's been around for not much more than five years. We didn't talk about it in this podcast until 2018. Whereas the Kennedy assassination this year in November will be the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. I was actually thinking at the start, like, we take it, for, as a given that everybody knows the deal with the Kennedy assassination and the conspiracy theories around it. But I mean, it happened before you or I were born. It happened when my parents were, I don't think they were even teenagers when, when Kennedy was killed. So people a generation or two younger than us could probably be forgiven for not actually knowing much about the JFK assassination at all. Or what they might know is simply the version of it in the Oliver Stone film. Mm, exactly. Well, I mean, even that was that nineties. That's that's getting on, getting a little long in the two. Josh, it couldn't well. have been the nineties. That film was released about ten or twelve years ago. Mm, but the, but the nineties were ten or twelve years ago. Is what is is what my is what my brain tells me. Mm. Calendars might disagree, but what do they know? Uh, I mean, it's it's like time zones. No one's entirely sure how they work, mm. and we're pretty sure that someone's hoodwinking us somewhere in the system. Yeah. So, so you know, I thought maybe just for the benefit of, of our younger listeners who might not actually know the full deal of the JFK assassination, it might be good to give a little a little pricey at the start. So, I mean, you probably know that John F. Josh, can you do yeah, yeah. an old-timey news voice? Oh, Dallas, really? 1963. The president's motorcade is going through Dealey Plaza. And look, there's wonderful John Fitzgerald Kennedy waving from his car. And who's that beside him? It would be his wife, Jackie Onassis. For some reason, I'm a time-traveling journalist who happens to know who she's going to get married to next. Oh, look, he's waving to the crowd, and there's a crack in the crowd. And oh, no, the president's leaning forward, spurting blood over the local governor. Oh, Jackie's very disturbed by what's going on here. The Secret Service are running about. We'll be coming back to the studio after this ad for cigarettes. Mm. I mean, I could have done that, but then you did, so, so I won't. I actually was reading something about why that was the standard radio voice, the so-called transatlantic accent from basically the 30s up until the 60s. Mm. And apparently it's entirely due to the way that microphones worked at the time. Yes, pitched your voice up a little bit, didn't they? And, yeah, and so yeah. and that way you got a clear recording. If you spoke normally, you got a very muddied sound. And so basically recording technology dictated how radio stars and movie stars had to talk in order to make sure you got a clean take. Mm, interesting, but irrelevant. Because, yes, I mean, that, that's it. JFK uh, was, was on a what, – what, what do you call it? It was like a – a junket. Like a tour, like a junket. He, he was basically just going around wa- waving at the people. He was yeah, dri- driving through Dealey Plaza in Texas when well, he, he was... was being driven oh, sorry, through that's Dealey true. Plaza. He was, he yes. was not at the wheel. That's, that, that'll be important. He was on an elevated platform in his car. Mm. Uh, he was shot twice 
uh, one shot uh, went through his, uh, hit him sort of between the shoulders and came out his throat, inflicting potentially life-threatening but not immediately fatal wounds. The second shot, however, hit him right in the head and killed him instantly. So... For fairly quick soon afterwards, there were there were sort of conspiracy theories about what really went on. But of course, the official story is that the man who fired those two shots and indeed a third one that also missed the car completely was one Lee Harvey Oswald, firing from the window of a nearby books depository. I always want to say books depository, which is quite a different thing. Quite a different thing. Got an ass like a clown's pocket. Mm. Uh, firing from the depository window, uh, he was picked up by police sometime afterwards. There was an official inquiry into it, the Warren Commission, and the findings of the Warren Commission was that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone in assassinating John F. Kennedy. But pretty much straight away, and ever since then, there have been lots of people who think that, no, that can't have been what really happened. And part of this is the classic big events seem to require big explanations. So it isn't usual for presidents to get assassinated. Although I read some, something somewhere, America actually, when you actually start running the numbers about attempted assassinations of presidents and presidential candidates, it is one of the worst countries to be a politician in. Mm. But then again, when it comes to gun crime, America is one of the worst countries to be in, full well, stop. Yes. yes, I mean, people have compared the fact that uh, when Ronald Reagan was shot in the 80s, uh, shot but not killed, um, I, I I know of one conspiracy theory around that particular shooting, but that's all, and it's not a big one. And people have sort of said, you know, b- because he, he survived, essentially, it was not nearly as big an event as the actual death um, in front of crowds of people of an American president. I mean, also, of course, the Reagan was shot at relatively close range by a guy with a pistol, whereas Oswald was firing at a distance with a rifle. And so part of the disbelief, I think, comes down to the fact that this was this was one guy. He he was he was a Marine, as we spoke about just a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about um, Kerry Thornley and his his writing on Oswald. Oswald was trained as a Marine. He had been trained to shoot with a rifle but nevertheless it worked out assuming that he was planning to kill kennedy and that's how what it seems it worked couldn't have worked out better for him got him right in the head killed him on the spot do you recall a foray about a computer game where you were challenged to recreate the fatal shots yes i recall that there was a yeah there's sort of a simulation to try and to try and prove possibly if it were possible for him to have made that shot Yeah, because one of the things which is interesting about the assassination of JFK is there's a certain kind of theorist who goes, well, the shots are so difficult, it's hard to imagine they were ever possible. And so the whole point of this game, which was released over 10 years ago now, was to go, well, you know, you can test that. You can see whether it's possible to take the shots. It had a very dodgy bit of PR around it, and that if you succeeded in replicating Lee, ha- Lee Harvey Oswald's shots exactly, there was a monetary prize, which made the whole thing seem just a Price little bit a present, yeah, yeah. In- insensitive. But as people like to point out, yes, the shots that Lee Harvey Oswald are very, the shots he took are very hard to replicate doesn't mean they're impossible. The fact that it's hard to replicate 
two successful shots on a moving target from a distance and do them accurately doesn't mean they weren't possible in the first place. It just means that, you know, there's a certain degree of luck. And that comes out of the fact one of the shots that Lee Harvey Oswald fired, and we're assuming here the official theory is correct, mm. missed. Yeah, missed. It uh, wounded a wounded a bystander either with the bullet ricocheting or possibly from it kicking um, kicking up the middle of the road where it hit. Now, Kennedy's assassination was caught on tape. Um, in this day and age, anything the president does is going to be videoed from many angles. But back then, uh, there was no official film of the parade that I'm aware of. Or certainly, not that part of it. But of course, the main the main uh, tape that people talk about is the famous Zapruder tape. Mister Zapruder was out there. He, he was he was just an amateur, wasn't he? He was just a just a regular member of the public out there with his own 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 camera happened to be filming it and captured the moment when Kennedy uh, is is killed. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a distasteful thing, but if you want to, I'm fairly certain it's up on YouTube these days, if, if, if you want to see a president have his head explode when he gets hit with a bullet and fall over dead, that footage exists. And it was first published, I believe, in Time Life as a series of images taken from the film stills. So... Most people's first experience of the Zapruder film wasn't as a moving image. It was a sequence of images on a page. And you get stories about people who didn't have access to the Zapruder footage itself, but did have access to the Time Life issue. And thus they took photos of the individual stills and recreated the film to then play and show people. So you get this really weird reproduction culture around the Sapruder footage because most people don't have access to the moving image. All they've got are images of the moving image. Mm. And the Sapruder tape has got to be one of the most analysed pieces of film ever. People have literally gone frame by frame through that thing, um, documenting exactly what happens when at which point. And using that footage to try and locate other bits of footage, because what's interesting about the Zapruder tape is, of course, you can see in the tape other people taking film or taking photos at the fatal moment. So not only was the Zapruder footage used to analyse what went on, it was also used as a basis for going, there must be more data out there. Indeed, we know of a few cases where people think they took photos at the right time, but it turned out they weren't using their camera correctly or the film was exposed before it was developed. It was a really interesting documentary, oh, probably about 15 years ago, where they took all the surviving footage of the events in Dealey Plaza and created a timeline going, well, look, we know exactly what route the motorcade took through Dallas at the time. We know approximately where people were standing, so we can actually put them onto a map and create as much of much footage as possible of the motorcade going through. And so it turns out there's a lot more footage than just the Sapruda tape, but it has become kind of the touchstone for cases where people want to analyze the visual record and see whether there's something which the authorities didn't see or didn't investigate at the time. Yes, so 
When it comes to conspiracy theories, they're all some variation on the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald either didn't fire any shots or did fire shots, but he wasn't the only person shooting on that day. If, if, if you've heard anything about the JFK assassination, you'll have heard references to a grassy knoll where supposedly people um, saw shots coming from this other, this, this little, little, little hillock nearby. And one of the main there seem to be sort of two two main things where people say that Kennedy had, there had to have been multiple shooters. One of them, and this is going to come up a bunch as we go through it, is the idea that uh, so so Oswald was firing from behind him. And one of the things people say that, that people have question with is the fact that Oswald that the angle that he'd chosen to shoot from is not the best one he could have chosen. Um, he was, you know, from the angle he was, by the time he was actually able to aim at the motorcade, it was moving away from him. If he'd gone from sort of the other side and been able to shoot at it as it was coming towards him, that would be a much easier shot for him. But And as someone who's played both Sniper Elite 4 and Sniper Elite 5, I recognise the wisdom in tracking targets as they move towards you rather than away. It's a mm. lot easier to kill Nazis when they're moving towards you than when they're driving away on their motorbikes. True fact. Uh, and so because he was shooting from behind, that means he would have shot Kennedy in the back or indeed the back of his head. But lots of people will claim that, no, some of the shots, especially the shot that, uh, the, the shot that hit him in the head, had to have come from in front. And we'll look at that later. But that's one thing. The other thing then, of course, is the famous magic bullet. Because as we say... Um, Harvey Oswald allegedly fired three shots. We know one of them missed. We know, if, if we're going by the official theory, one of them missed completely. One of them hit Kennedy square in the head, killed him instantly. But the other one, which, uh, bef- which hit him before that one, is the only bullet left that can be can explain, I think it's seven different wounds sustained by Kennedy and by Governor Connolly, who was sitting in front of him in the car. I think there's a bullet went through Kennedy's back, out his throat, through Governor Connolly's back, out his chest, in and out of his wrist, and then finally lodged in Governor Connolly's thigh, if I'm remembering it correctly. And so that's where people have said, look, this, this, there's no way this is possible. A single bullet could not make all of these injuries, especially given that um, you had the, the, uh, spread amongst two people who were sitting opposite in, in different parts of the car. Now, for a long time, I, I'd heard that and thought, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's proof positive, surely. There's, there's, there's no, you know, this is absolutely ridiculous. And this is where, this was the main thing. Um, Jim Garrison, who uh, was played by Kevin Costner in the film JFK. And things went back, back and to the and left. To the left, which I, which I believe that's where he's talking about how Kennedy's head went back into the left, isn't it? Which showed supposedly that he had been shot from the front. From the, yeah, from the other direction, mm. because he, he whips back with the shot. Ipso facto, he must have been shot from the front, not from behind. Mm, but we'll get to that. But uh, And so he has a long bit about how, you know, the bullet must have done this way, it must have gone down his career, it must have paused in mid-air briefly, it must have gone this and that and so on. And it does sound completely unbelievable, but it's based on the idea that Kennedy was sitting in the back right of the car, that Governor Connolly was sitting in the front left of the car, and that they were both sitting in regular seats at the same level, and that's not actually true, is it? No, because Kennedy was sitting on a booster seat. He was actually 
elevated along with his wife, the future Jackie Onassis. And they were also less left and right and more kind of centralized on that booster seat. Because the whole point was you wanted to see the president in his motorcade. And so the president was sitting up on a booster seat to be more easily seen as opposed to which which one's the president? I mean, there are there are three men in suits and a woman. I'm fairly sure the woman isn't the president. A woman could never be president. But which of the three men? So, yes, he was sitting up so it'd be easier to be seen by the public. And thus, once you put a bit of elevation into the trajectory of the bullet and the notion that as the bullet enters Kennedy's body, his body is itself in motion due to the gunshot, the magic bullet is less magical and more just a standard physical bullet after all, isn't it, Josh? Yeah, if you if you actually look at how they were sitting, um, if th- th- that uh, Kennedy was in the centre of the car at a higher elevation, that Connolly was a bit off to his left, but not diagonally opposite him in the car, as other people claimed. Connolly had his uh, right hand sort of resting on his left knee and was turning back to look at Kennedy. When you look at that position from above, it is actually possible. You, you know, there, there are diagrams of this you can see on the internet. You can draw a straight well, line right also, through the pair. You can see it in the Zapruder footage. Mm, yeah, exactly. So I think the, the the magic bullet thing I think came out of a bunch of of faulty assumptions. So that one I think is can can fairly well be put to rest. But there's still plenty of other things, plenty of other problems people have with the JFK session, and especially with the official uh, finding of the Warren Commission into exactly what went on. A lot of people think the Warren Commission, but w- b- basically had a predetermined conclusion. Uh, that the whole that the idea you know this this was the this was the story this was the theory Oswald did it he was a lone nut and that was always going to be the finding of the commission entirely and the thing was it kind of was what's a really interesting kind of footnote in the history of the Warren Commission is that Lyndon Johnson, who became the next president of the United States after the death of his predecessor, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was of the firm belief there was a conspiracy to kill Kennedy. He likely thought it was a Cuban conspiracy, so Cuban agitators. But the U.S. Attorney General at the time, Nicholas Katzenbach, basically said, look, no matter what you think, Mr. President, the people need to have someone to blame for Kennedy's death. And so Katzenbach has a memo, and he tells in this memo that President Johnson must satisfy the public that Oswald, I quote, was the assassin, that he did not have Confederates who are still at large, and that the evidence was such that he could have been convicted at trial. And so this is in the historical record. We happen to know that Johnson thought there was a conspiracy, but he was persuaded by his attorney general to go, no, we're going with the so-called lone gunman hypothesis here. So the Warren Commission probably was set up from the get-go to prove the official theory. Now, that doesn't mean the Warren Commission was wrong. 
you can have a commission set up to get to a preordained conclusion, and that conclusion might still be the right thing to come to, given the surrounding evidence. But there are certain people who will look at the historical record, look at these White House memos and go, yeah, but the Warren Commission was set up to prove Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Isn't that just a little bit suspicious? Doesn't that suggest that maybe there was some evidence they wanted to hide? Exactly. And also it doesn't help that uh, the Warren Commission's final report is impenetrable, I think is a good description. It has no index, does it? It's just a collection of all the data. As people like to point out, the thing about the Warren Commission report was it was a bestseller but no one expected it to be because no one had bought these reports en masse in in the past. So normally what you did with these reports was you just dumped all of the data in, and the Warren Commission extends to several volumes. And that's what you do. You just print all the data. You don't need to provide an index because no one's going to read the thing. They just want to read the executive summary. summary. Yeah. But it turns out that actually people did want to read the Warren Commission report because there were there was great doubts about had they got the right person, especially given the interesting death of Lee Harvey Oswald, which we haven't even got to yet. And so the fact that there wasn't an index meant that it did look ever so slightly as if the Warren Commission was trying to hide things in plain sight by making it really hard to actually work out what their reasoning was for coming to their conclusion. Mm. And then that was followed. So, so the, um, the Warren Commission, so JFK dies November 63. The Warren Commission ran for, was it two years? I think they, they reported in 65, or am I getting that, that wrong? Sound, that Some, sounds about like right. That. Yeah. Now, in 1976... Uh, there was the the Church Committee. The United States Senate Select Committee to study governmental operations with respect to intelligence activities. Hmm. Otherwise known as the Church Committee because the guy who ran it was a Mr. Church, I think. I believe, I believe the guy who ran, ran it was a literal church. An actual church, a building. Yeah. A, building yeah. a building was in charge of this 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 committee. Yeah, that makes that sounds sounds plausible to me. No, one thing I was never quite clear of, was it specifically about investigating the Warren Commission or was it investigating intelligence stuff in general and the Warren Commission was it one was of those things? It was investigating intelligence activities in general, but there was a subcommittee that was looking at assassinations. Right. So th- th- they looked into the Warren Commission's findings and while they emphasised that they, they didn't inco- uncover any evidence sufficient to justify a conclusion that there was a conspiracy to assassinate Kennedy, but they did have evidence. Well, here's the wording. The committee has, however, developed evidence which impeaches the process by which the intelligence agencies arrived at their own conclusions about the assassination and by which they provided information to the Warren Commission. This evidence indicates that the investigation of the assassination was deficient and that facts which might have substantially affected the course of the investigation were not provided the Warren Commission or those individuals within the FBI and the CIA, as well as other agencies of the government who were charged with investigating the assassination. So they basically found, look, we, we haven't ourselves come across evidence that the Warren Commission's findings are wrong, but we do think how the commission actually worked was not up to standard. 
Indeed, one of their issues was the FBI basically focused on Lee Harvey Oswald and only Lee Harvey Oswald far too quickly. So they didn't consider other suspects or other associates. And well, Lee Harvey Harvey Oswald did it. He got shot. End of story. Mm. So they, yeah, there are, I think it would be fair to say there are still questions. Yeah, and this is, the JFK conspiracy theories are something which I've become, and I have to use my words carefully here, more sympathetic to with time. So I still think Lee Harvey Oswald likely was the assassin of President Kennedy, and I think he likely acted alone due to his very weird political proclivities. But given that we have things such as the memo from Katzenbach to Lyndon Johnson, we have the church committee reports, I think if you have a modicum of knowledge about how the American political system works, there are there's enough suggestion to go there might be something more to the story. And it might be as simple as my kind of, and what's going to use my words carefully here, my favoured 9-11 conspiracy theory, which is it is quite possible that the intelligence agencies didn't act appropriate to intelligence they had at the time, and are now covering up that fact because it would be embarrassing to go, yeah, we kind of had enough information to arrest Lee Harvey Oswald a few days before he tried to commit the assassination. So we probably could have prevented that, but we didn't really act upon the intelligence we had, and we don't really want anyone to know about it. And I think that's a plausible cover-up theory, which would involve a governmental conspiracy around the assassination of JFK. Now, I'm not saying that is the case, but I think there's enough evidence out there that you have to at least consider that as a possibility. Hmm. So we've talked about these these sort of conspiracy theories coming up with, um, with, with problems with the Warren Commission, but, of course, to be a decent conspiracy theory, you do actually need to offer your own version of events. And there are a bunch of different theories and a bunch of different supposed perpetrators of the the conspiracy to kill JFK. They seem seem to be a a bunch of recurring names. The CIA is one suggestion. They were behind it. Uh, One suggestion is the mafia or other organised crime. And that sometimes is going to be the Italian mafia. Sometimes it's going to be Cuban gangs or Cuban revolutionaries. But they're going to be gang-like activities. Mm. Others think, uh, speaking of Cubans, the the government of Cuba, if you might remember, this is 1963. The Cuba Missile Crisis is not long in the past. Tensions between America and Cuba are much higher than they are today. Um, There's also now, 1963, Vietnam hasn't started yet, but Korea has. I, I, I can never keep these wars straight. But there, I think there were suggestions that people in the military did not like JFK's uh, stance towards whatever wars happened to be going on at that time. So there were suggestions that you know the, the, the military-industrial complex might have wanted to get rid of him. So there are various, various theories that people with it, who potentially had the power and connections to pull something like this off 
might have actually been behind it. We could then look the other way, though, and say, so what evidence is there that Oswald was just a lone nut? And mostly we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We did, because Kerry Thornley literally wrote the book on that, Oswald, which was actually based upon an earlier book he had written about a potential assassin with military training that the Warren Commission knew about and then went, eh, can you write the book on how Oswald actually committed the crime? But there's been a lot of research into Oswald and his background, and his background is interesting to say the least. So trained as a Marine in the U.S., had communist sympathies, so ended up defecting to Russia, where he was welcomed with open arms by the Russian government because he was a Marine trained by the best of the best in America who was now living in Moscow. Lee Harvey Oswald turns out to not enjoy being a good, dutiful communist citizen, so eventually returns back to the United States, which leads to the Russians thinking he's an American agent, and leads to the Americans thinking that he's a Russian agent. Lee Harvey Oswald doesn't really settle in well with his Russian wife back in mainland America, so he starts hanging out with a lot of distributable people and people with criminal tendencies, and then eventually attempts to assassinate... Governor Connolly, is it? No, it's not. It's not. He, no, it's he, uh, Major General Edwin Walker. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he actually does an assassination attempt using the same rifle, but misses. So, a and we, and we know about this for the sheer fact that a the guy was shot at. That is a that's that's reported to the police. And also, Lee Harvey Oswald left a note to his wife saying, if, if I'm not home in the morning, something will have happened. You may need to go to the police station. So it's also got kind of prior form when it comes to attempted assassination of political figures. And then there's the contested fact that Oswald supposedly uh, killed a police officer, one, one J.D. Tippett, um, after the event, suggesting this was he was, he was trying, you know, having, having done the deed, um, he was trying to get away and was stopped by this police officer and killed him as to, to, to get away. That's something that's the, the, the evidence is a little bit circumstantial and that, that's something that has been questioned a bit because it fits in nicely with the narrative of the official theory, but because it's still a, a little bit, um, the, the proof of it is not conclusive, that's something that people have suggested might be, uh, have been an embellishment of the, of the powers that be to make, uh, to make Oswald look even more guilty. And also it doesn't help that they weren't able to really question Oswald about the attempted, the successful killing of a police officer because, of course, he gets killed by Jack Ruby. Yeah, that's, this is the thing that always blew my mind about the JFK assassination. Oswald was killed on live television when Jack Ruby ran up to him and shot him. A man who just wandered into a police station. It was just, but and, and I and he's never really a big part of it. It's like his his version of affair, of events is that he just thought it was the right thing to do. He he 
supposedly wanted to save Mrs. Kennedy. Uh, what did he say? He wanted to save, save Mrs. Kennedy the tribulations of going through the trial of Oswald. Seemed to think he was doing her a favour, although maybe that was justification he came up with afterwards. He did apparently take a lot of amphetamines. I mean, that was the style of the time. He was a he was a bar owner, or at least a bar manager. So imagine he was high on the hooch and high on the drugs. So it's possible he he was yes, just not in his right mind at all, and thought it would be a brilliant idea to to kill Oswald himself. But yeah, the fact that this dude shows up kills the one person who you know knew conclusively whether or not the charges against him. Um, were true or false, and he's he's always just a bit of a footnote. I always found that very strange. Yeah, yeah, it is really quite bizarre that, as you say, he kills someone on national TV, and he gets punished for it, but not not in the kind of way you would expect. Mm, mm, very strange. Now, time is running short, and we have other things to talk about. We do have to mention the fact that... Um, one year after our first JFK episode in November of 2015, we decided to come back to it by talking about the fact that none other than Bertrand Russell, a big name in the field of philosophy, he was a, he was a bit of a bit of a JFK conspiracy theorist, and he had a whole bunch of questions about the assassination, sixteen in total, which he um, published in a public was it mega was a digest sort of thing. I don't think we've got time to go through the entire lot of them, but he basically he specifically says like. What, his question number seven was, how did Oswald manage to shoot the president in the front from behind? And I think there's, there's questions of the autopsy as well in there somewhere as well. And that's, So he was one of these people who references the fact that supposedly Kennedy, the fatal shot on Kennedy, came from in front of him. And I believe that's mostly because of the back and to the left, right? It's the analysis of what JFK's, the direction JFK's head appeared to jerk in when he was shot in the head. People took that to mean that he'd been shot in front, although then people have replied to that to say, well, actually, as we say, like if you've seen the video, it's not pleasant. His head pretty much explodes. There's not much left of his head afterwards. And if enough, if you're shot in the back of the head and enough of your head is ejected forward, the remainder of your head will jerk backwards just due to conservation of momentum. So I, I don't think that that particular line of questioning was... was um, super convincing when it comes to the idea that that Kennedy had to have been shot from in front. There, yeah, there there are a lot of other a lot of other questions. He mentions um, the supposed murder of Patrolman Tippett and has questions about that. There are the the supposed um, forensic ones about uh, fo- photographs, gunshot residue tests, a bunch of stuff like that. He 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 he, he was just asking questions. He asked quite a few questions. Yeah, although the one which gets me about this list is question number one. Why were all the members of the Warren Commission closely connected with the US government? Which makes... Why would they not have been? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a panel impaneled by the government of the day to investigate the killing of one of their own. I mean, you might go, look, a perfectly formed panel is going to be international, bringing people from all around the world... But, I mean, there's a really good reason, which is non-conspiratorial, as to why all the members of the Warren Commission were closely connected within the US government, because they were calling on favours from their mates to investigate something. Mm, Exactly. One interesting point was that he did, he equated the Oswald case with the Dreyfus affair, 
of late nineteenth century France, which I don't know uh, what Richard Dreyfus has to do with any of this. Ah, well, indeed, it was a different Dreyfus. There's more than one. There's more that's, than one. That's impossible. Mm. Which we ended up, uh, that inspired us to devote to the very next episode after this Bertrand Russell one to talking about the Dreyfus Affair. Short, short version is in 19th century France, someone in the French military had been selling secrets to the Germans. They picked this um, officer Dreyfus, Dreyfus, because uh, he was French. And also because he was Jewish. And yeah, because basically he, he, he was the sort of person who they thought was a good fit for the crime. He was Jewish, was, was the main count against him. He was, I think, half German or something. He was, he was sort of, he was, not, he was not the right kind of person, which made him, made him the right kind of person to be the, the victim of this crime. He was found, tried, convicted. Uh, it was then proven that a different officer had actually been the one selling secrets to the Germans, and yet the military was incredibly resistant to open, opening the trial again, retrying Dreyfus. They really had their guy who they wanted to be the criminal and they weren't actually interested in um, piffling matters about whether or not that was true. And so this, this, was, this was the analogy that people um, drew, that, that Oswald, Oswald fit, the, fit the, the, the bill for someone who they wanted to be behind the death of Kennedy and so that's what they went for and that's all it was. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it's still. I, I, I think. I think, as you say, you, th- there are still questions that can be asked, but I don't think there's. It doesn't feel to me like there's been enough to actually say definitively. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't Oswald. Definitely must have been some other sort of conspiracy. Now, Josh, are you aware that this piece by Bertrand Russell was one of the reasons why the CIA invented the term conspiracy theory in the first place? I was not. I mean, we probably mentioned it seven years ago when we talked about this, but I probably We've forgot. mentioned the CIA dispatch, which is about how the CIA want to kind of weaponize the term conspiracy theory. And some people have said, oh, this is, this is evidence that the CIA invented the term, which is nonsense because the first attested to mention is around about 1908, and that mention in the Oxford English Dictionary is obviously referring to previously called things, uh, previously... English is previously called called conspiracy theories. But it is true the CIA were going, look, we've got people like Bertrand Russell who are questioning the official narrative, and we really can't have that kind of thing going on there. So it'd be really quite useful to call people like Bertrand Russell a conspiracy theorist and associate his views with conspiracy theories. So there are people in positions of power operating behind the scenes who are going, it's not a good look if intellectuals are questioning the official narrative of who killed Kennedy. We need to kind of shut this kind of thing down. And this, once again, leads some credence to the notion that there is something deeply weird about if not the assassination of of JFK, the investigation and maintaining of the official theory around JFK. Mm. Now, just before we get into the the updates for today, I do have to return to my favourite theory about the JFK shooting. And this is my favourite, not because I think it's the most convincing or the most likely to be true. Now, Josh, is your theory that a squid killed JFK? Unless that's some sort of a slang for a Secret Service agent, no. 
Oh. I'm going to explain my reasoning, but please do go on. Hmm. This is the theory that while Oswald was indeed in the book depository, firing shots at the motorcade and did indeed fire the quote-unquote magic bullet that hit Kennedy in the in the back and also wounded Governor Connolly, the shot, the fatal shot that hit Kennedy in the head and killed him on the spot was actually fired by a panicking Secret Service agent. The, the the evidence people have for this theory, it started, I think, from the fact that JFK's brain went missing. After the autopsy, his brain, or presumably what was left of his brain, uh, was, was returned to his family, I think, with the rest of his body, uh, was kept separately, and has just kind of gone. Nobody knows where JFK's brain went. And people have suggested that maybe the reason for this is that if his brain was still uh, w- w- had, had been kept in a state that could be examined again, people would find that the bullet fragments in it did not match the bullets fired by Oswald's gun. And people have pointed out that the rifle that Oswald had fired big, heavy, slow bullets that 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 were designed to just just go through stuff. And that indeed is what the magic bullet did. It just went, it, went, it hit Kennedy, it went straight through him, straight through Connolly, and didn't stop until it ended up in Connolly's thigh, which is, you know, once you actually account for where people were actually sitting and realise you can draw a straight line, is exactly what that sort of bullet would have done. But the one that hit Kennedy in the head blew his head apart. It didn't, it didn't just go in and out. It caused an enormous amount of damage. And that's the sort of damage that you would expect from the kind of ammunition fired by the kind of pistols that Secret Service agents carry. So it's not it's not particularly persuasive. It's 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 a bit of a leap. There's there's not a lot of evidence there, but I just really like the fact that you, you can tell the story, which says for decades we were obsessing about the wrong bullet. That people were going on and on and on about this magic bullet, which it turned out was actually an incredibly uh, ordinary bullet doing exactly what you'd expect a bullet to do, and all this time it was the other bullet we really should have been looking at. This is awfully similar to some of the theories about the death of RFK. Mm. So the notion that Sirhan Sirhan's attack on RFK doesn't make much physical sense the way it's described. So usually the argument is, look, we've got a lot of misdescription of what went on at the time, and that's the reason why the assassination of RFK looks so weird. We're describing Sirhan Sirhan's actions in the wrong way. But one of the other explanations is, no, the eyewitness testimony around RFK's assassination is accurate, but we also know the Secret Service agents assigned to RFK were firing to stop the assassin, Sirhan Sirhan, and it's just possible that maybe the bullet that killed RFK didn't come from Sirhan Sirhan's gun, it came from one of the bodyguard's guns. And you might end up going, well, I mean, okay, sure, the bodyguard was the one who killed RFK, but he, he didn't intend to kill RFK. But Sirhan Sirhan did, so we'll just uh, we'll fudge this and go, yeah, Sirhan Sirhan attempted to kill RFK, and RFK died, and that's all you need to know. Mm. And certainly in the JFK case, if you, if you buy this theory, it then becomes a matter of cover-up, because as we say, the, the first shot that definitely did hit Kennedy, uh, fired by Oswald, 
was not immediately fatal, but it was a bullet through the throat. He might not have survived that, even if he hadn't been shot a second time. So it's sort of like, well, why... Why cause embarrassment? Why cause extra pain with the with the what what could have been and what have you? Let's just blame the whole thing on Oswald. It's a tragic situation, no matter what, and we're just making the best of. And and presidents are just like horses. Yeah, what once once they break their leg, you have to euthanize them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the reason the reason I brought up squids is that wonderful story that gets told about how. Giant squids, as opposed to colossal squids, because it turns out there are so many squid sizes. There are quite a few, yes. When people examine the corpses of giant squids, they found a lot of what appeared to be attack marks on male giant squids. And the thing about giant squids is that they use they use their penises to attack because their penises have got. Uh, are sharp, they've got little prongs, because basically when squids have sex, they kind of just stab each other, inject semen into the bodies and swim away. And so it was assumed that male giant squids like to attack each, attack each other. And they go, oh, that's interesting. They've got a quite aggressive relationship. We've never seen that, but it appears that from the attack marks on their bodies, they are going around fighting all the time. And then we started to get video footage of giant squids. And it turns out that when you startle a giant squid, which is very easy to do, they they get very confused and they stab themselves. And so it seems actually they're not attacking one another. They're just constantly stabbing themselves with their own penises and putting semen in their skin. And this relates to the JFK assassination? People firing wildly. Right, okay, right, firing wildly, squid penis. Yep, no, I've got it, I'm I'm on board, yep. Subdermal semen injection. Now, that is the name of a band. Mm, It must be, and if it isn't, it should be. So so we're nearing the end of this episode, but of course, given that we're doing the back to the conspiracy thing, we do have to round up by saying, has anything, what's changed? Since we last talked about this, have there been new developments? And I, it, it feels more like not so much new developments as a lack of developments in comparison to what else has been going on. It seems we've talked in the past about, when talking about other papers, I think Lee Basham's talked about this, the idea that some conspiracy theories, ju- just over time, you just kind of stop caring about them a bit. If We talked about this with the moon landings as well. If 60 years later, a, I, would, I would venture that most of the people who were adults when Kennedy died are dead now. Like I say, my parents were 11 or 12 or something. It's been long enough now that probably even if you did come up with conclusive proof exactly what happened, probably not going to change the world such the world so much. And indeed, as you said at the start, QAnon, things like that have really taken off in the time in between. And JFK's really been shunted to the side to the extent that... When you're talking about conspiracy theories featuring a Kennedy, it's not really JFK anymore, is it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I just did a, a search for new development J, JFK, and I found a post from onlinecolumnist.com, which is the most generic name you mm. could possibly have for a website. And we come from the country where we have a news website called stuff.co.nz. Mm. <laughs> where, where do you get your news from? Stuff. Stuff. Mm. 
And this is a new twist on JFK assassination, October 29th, 2021, and another strange twist to the 58-year-old JFK assassination saga, the 58-year-old son of CIA sniper trainer Ricardo Morales Jr. claims his father recognized JFK's assassin Lee Harvey Oswald as part of his CIA training class. So there are still people coming forward with new and unusual claims. But it should be noted, this is a person born the year JFK died, claiming that he now remembers a story his father told him about Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes, and you've talked in the past about people appealing to supposed deathbed confessions from various people. Oh, I, when, I, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to confess to so many different conspiracies, including conspiracies that I could not possibly have been involved in because I wasn't even born at the time. Mm. And that way I will hide the true conspiracy I've been involved in amongst a bunch of lies about conspiracies I cannot have been involved in at all. But yes, as I was alluding to before, JFK is kind of being shunted out of the limelight by his own son, JFK Jr., who the world would have you believe died in an aeroplane crash in the early 1990s, but but he's become a starring figure in QAnon, um, as supposedly he never died, he's still alive, and he's going to come back, which you've explained this to me in the past, exactly how it makes sense for JFK Jr. to be a lead figure in QAnon, but I still don't understand it to be... And the fact that he appears to now be Hispanic. Mm. Yes, no, there's not a lot about QAnon that that really makes sense. Oh, so actually one thing, and we noted this back in 2017. Of course, when Trump was president, he promised to release all the files associated with the investigation into the assassination of JFK. And then it turned out he released a lot of files but yielded to pressure from the FBI and the CIA to block the release of some records. And at the time, we noted, hmm, I mean, it still looks as if there's something they don't want to tell us. And once again, I think it's intelligence failures. I think they've got records that indicate that maybe if they had acted upon some information, they could have prevented the assassination. And then one last thing... Uh, we, we have in our notes, we, we have a long list of, of sort of stories and things that pop up that could make for an interesting topic one of these days. One of them, which we never actually got around to using, was a story that went around in 2017 suggesting that the assassination of John F. Kennedy was none other than Jackie Kennedy. That would be the future Jackie the Onassis. The future Jackie Onassis, that she had been hired by the CIA and trained that once 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 Oswald started shooting, she was going to be the one to fire the fatal shot into Kennedy's head. And yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of he must have been shot from the front stuff. Supposedly stuff stuff around the the autopsy was supposedly faked, given that eyewitnesses spoke of a large wound at the back of the president's head, but the autopsy photos only showed a small wound in the back of his head. There's a lot of, I mean, most of this article is just questions about the the, the assassination in general. The whole, how could it have been Jackie Kennedy? I don't, some people have, have uh, looked at the Zapruder footage and claim that you can see something shiny and possibly metallic in her hand, which could have been a gun, but 
it ends up talking about the fact that yeah, the, the, who knows if the Zapruder tape was um, had had been retouched or re-edited or something, and kind of gets into the you can't believe anything about anything. So what the point is saying? What what point is there in saying theories like this in the first place? Yes, and that is currently all we have to say about John F. Kennedy, the assassination thereof. Yeah, I mean, maybe if those remaining files under lock and key by the CIA and the FBI ever get released, there actually might be a major break in the case. Because there's presumably a reason as to why those files have not been released, and I imagine it's probably not about protecting the agents involved at the time, given it was 60 years ago this year. So there must be something worth keeping secret. Although, as you sometimes find with the with the secret services, sometimes they just like keeping secrets for the sheer fact that keeping secrets is fun mm. and gives you power. I mean, there's a a long-standing gripe about the fact that we still actually don't know exactly what went on at Bletchley Park. So we know about the breaking of the Enigma code, but there's still a whole bunch of stuff they did which is under lock and key. And most cryptographers and computational experts are going, look, there's there will be no commercial secrets left from Bletchley Park. I mean, maybe for the first 10 or 15 years, the British government may have had some advances in cryptography, etc., etc., that was worth them keeping secret so they could use it at a later date. But, you know, it's been 80 years almost. We've probably reinvented almost all of those wheels, and most of the stuff that is probably under lock and key really should be public now, but due to the Official Secrets Act, they won't be for another 15 years or so. So who knows? Who knows? Now, what I do know is that that's the end of this episode. Wait, you know, hold on. The one person, the one person who does know is Donald Trump, because the- he would have had to have known what was in the papers the CIA and the FBI didn't want to release to then use his presidential powers to block the release of those papers. So Donald Trump knows exactly what the CIA and the FBI know. And he was complicit in keeping that information from the public. I mean, that assumes he actually read any of it, which doesn't appear to be his strong suit. I mean, that's that's also true. Anyway, as I was saying, that's it for this episode. But there's still a bonus episode to come. What will we be talking about to our beloved patrons in the bonus episode? We'll be talking about how Posey Parker, and not Parker Posey, no. visited Aotearoa recently and got some tomato juice in the face. We'll be also talking about how Billy TK and Vinnie Eastwood are going to prison, apparently for being conspiracy theorists. And we've got a little bit of COVID-19 news, the mystery of the disappearing data regarding the potential zoonotic origin of COVID at the Wuhan markets in China. So if you're interested in hearing that, uh, then you'll, you'd better just, just, just be a patron. Just do it. Just become one if you're not one yeah. already. Look, just fax us your credit card number, your security code, and your name, and we'll definitely start charging you. 
Definitely. And then you and somehow, magic, I assume, you'll get access to these bonus episodes that we recorded. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we will fact. Uh, what I'll do is I'll print out the waveform of the bonus episodes and fax them through. And then you can use a scanner to then recreate the wave or M- MP3 file. I assume that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could. There are those who would say that you can go to betrayon.com and search for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. But, I mean, that sounds much more complicated than your way of doing it. Yeah. Faxes make life easier. That's a fax. It is. It's a fax fact. It's the facts of life. The facts of life. Yeah, stop that now, please. In fact, before this before this degenerates any further than it already has, I'm just going to going to draw a line in the sand and say goodbye. Totally up. You've been listening to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy, hosted by Josh Addison and M. Dentith. If you'd like to help support us, please find details of our pledge drive at either Patreon or Podbean. If you'd like to get in contact with us, email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com. Marty, we gotta go back to the conspiracy.